king. There is no one like him. There he stands alone in the universe, unchallenged. There is one throne in heaven. And we know his name. His name is Jesus. Let's 
righteousness amen because I know that if God put it in their heart man oh man they're going to thirst and they're going to hunger for righteousness and for what God want to do in their lives so to continue to pray for that and let's remember our missionaries let's pray for brother and sister Tear that God would bless them and also our global missionaries as well as our North American missionaries and pray for them as well how many of you need something from the Lord let me see your hand Praise God. I know God knows your need, and, I, and as you raise your hand, signifying what you, your need, I know God is already working on that right now. So let's go before him together for these requests that I just mentioned, and let's continue to pray for the harvest as well. Let's pray together. Lord God, we want to say thank you. We magnify you. We glorify you. We lift you up, God. We're so privileged and so honored 
God, to be in your presence, God. And God, I thank you for the power of the Holy Ghost, being filled with the Holy Ghost. I thank you for salvation, God, that you give to us. And thank you, God, that I'm, I've been baptized in Jesus' name. And God, I thank you that I've been filled with your spirit, God. And Lord, I just pray that you will continue to do a work in us and through us. And God, I know you're not finished with us. God, I know, God, that you have the power to bring back to life that which is dead. And God, I pray right now by the power of the word of God and authority that's in your name, God, Lord God, that you will heal and that you will deliver, God. And God, I want you to bless Pastor and Sister Rosa. And I want you to keep them and I want you to strengthen them and I want you to protect them and I want you to keep them fresh with fresh anointing and fresh vision for this church. And God, I want you to touch Dr. Anderson and bless his ministry and bless his family. And God, I thank you for the, the, his ministry and the work that he's doing, God. And people are being saved and filled with the Holy Ghost. And God, we thank you for that today, Lord. And God, I want you to touch our missionaries, the brothers and sisters to tear and bless their work God and the things that they are doing in Slovakia and serving your God and let continue to get that building built God and oh God I pray right now for every need in this place God you see every hand that went up God, I want you to begin to touch, begin to heal, begin to deliver, begin to make whole, God, begin to save and fill people with your spirit right now. And, oh, God, I thank you, God, for the service and thank you for what you're going to do and for the souls that are going to be saved and filled. People get baptized. People receive the Holy Ghost in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Give the Lord a hand clap. You may be seated. Sister Carr is going to do our missions today. Praise the Lord, everyone. Isn't the Lord awesome? Yes, he really is. Well, I am here to talk about missions and our missions team. I recently just came back from a, a week long of a outreach conference from my job. I was there in Utah with a bunch of professionals, and our goal there was to talk to each other, to collaborate, to talk about ways that we could meet the needs of our families that we serve that are blind and visually impaired. And it was a great conference. It was very long. It was about one week long. But as I was going through this conference, I started thinking about missions and our missions team because I knew I was going to be up here talking about that. And I realized, I started asking myself, well, what is missions? Why do we have a missions team? Well, first of all, it's because um, Jesus commanded us to. He said that we are to go out into all the world and to preach the gospel to every creature. Um, yes, every creature. Missions is the heart of Jesus. And when I began to think about what missions is and missions is the heart of Jesus because he wants us to go out and to minister and to touch the lives of others so I started thinking about what else does the missions team do well we come once a month and we get to share what is going on around the country and around the world for what the mission and missionaries are doing so with that said wait a minute I want to share what went on in Bangladesh. I'm going to read what it says. It says, the book of Acts continues in the 21st century. UPCI missionaries James and Elizabeth Corbin report that approximately 11,000 people 
were filled with the Holy Spirit during a three-day conference in Bangladesh, and approximately 5,000 people were miraculously healed. Wow. Can you just imagine seeing 11,000 people all with their hands lifted, all worshiping our God, all receiving the Holy Ghost? I mean, when I read that, it was like, oh my gosh. Um, the conference, which was held last year, was it, it had a, was a very exciting two-month period for the United Pentecostal Church of Bangladesh. And then it said um, Bangladesh hosted a three-day evangelistic conference in North Benjai, where 6,500 people received the Holy Ghost, and 29 people were 20,000, I'm sorry, 2,900 people were healed. In total, 17,500 people received the Holy Ghost, and approximately 6,900 were healed during these two events. That's a lot of people. That's God moving. A team of missionaries from North America, Spain, and India, along with leaders and members of the church in Bangladesh, helped organize and lead this conference. Then in Bolivia, at approximately the same time, UPCI missionaries James and Stacy Marsh were hosting an evangelistic conference in Santa Cruz, Bolivia. Three Spanish-speaking pastors from California traveled south to preach at this event, which drew record-breaking crowds at every service. People are hungry. A total of 101 people received the Holy Ghost during this conference, including 33 children. Now, when you think about our children, 33 of these children will grow up and they will be the ones that are going to be reaching out to their friends and reaching out to their families. So now this 101 that started with the 33 kids is going to explode. It then says um, that this, uh, this conference was an especially significant event for the church in Bolivia, according to the marshes. They said, we have never, hold on, I'm sorry. All right. We have never had more than 60 people receive the Holy Ghost in a calendar year in the district, they noted. For us to have that many in one weekend is really extraordinary. Wow. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. Okay, so our missions team, which is led by Sister Diana Blodgett, she comes every month, and we share that with you. We share what's going on in the around the world. But we also care for our missionaries. We pray for them. We provide um, funding when we do our, our faith promise. We provide the funding that goes out to our missionaries and, um, and prayer. Prayer is the most important thing that we can provide for our missionaries. And this is so important that the things this is what we do. So our missions team is also an outreach. And so as I was said, and when I went to this meeting, I thought about the outreach. And I looked at what we do as a missions team. And we are an outreach team. So these are some of the things that we've done in the past to help reach our community. We meet monthly. And when we meet monthly, we get together and we collaborate. We talk about ideas. We talk about suggestions on ways that we can, as a team and as a church, 
go out into the community and reach others. So over the last few years, what we've done, we've written letters to our missionaries, we've had some of our uh, school-age children write letters and, and make cards, we've sent out birthday wishes to our missionaries because we wanted them to know that we still support them, that we do love them and we appreciate what they're doing. We have passed out goodies amongst the church members because we want our church to, to stay connected to missions. So we have put um, names of missionaries in these little goodie bags as we passed out, just encouraging our congregation to pray. We had a drive-by prayer. We did it a couple of times. That was an amazing event where we had not only the missions team, but we had members of the church because again, we're one body. So we went out and as cars were passing by, we were giving them water, we were giving them flyers about the church, we were asking them that they want prayer. We've had several of them come in and we prayed for them. It was an amazing event. And I just could feel the love of God coming from us to them. And we would get the, the horns were beeping and saying thank you and we're praying and thank you for your prayers because this is who we are. We are outreach. We go out and we touch the lives of those at a loss. Um, one of the members of the church, of the missions team, Janet, she posts the missionary for the month. And it's our goal and our responsibility to pray for them because that's what we do. We pray for the people because we can't go to Bolivia and we can't go to, you know, Bangladesh, but we can do it right here. And through our prayers, we are reaching and we're, and we're seeing 33 children being um, filled with the Holy Ghost since an 11,000 people receiving the Holy Ghost because of our prayers. Um, right now, the missions team, we're going to a, an assisted living residential facility. And it is just a beautiful thing to be. And we invite anyone that is interested in going and coming with us. We go the third Thursday of the, excuse me, the third Sunday of the month. And we go and we worship, we sing worship, we pray, we give a word to the residents there. And as we're walking around and we're talking with them, you can feel the hunger that they have. We have something that they don't have. We've got the Holy Ghost. And so when we go in there and we talk with them, we're just explaining to them that love that we have. And they may never come here. They may never come here, but you know what? They're gonna tell a family member. They're gonna tell their children who do come and visit them. And they may come here. So it's a ministry that we have started up and we've been doing this for the last three months now. And it's amazing. So if any of you ever have an opportunity to come, you know, we've had young ministers speak, and we've had team members speak. It's just been a beautiful experience. And who loves our missions banquet? <laughs> I love our missions banquet. It's a lot of work, but it is something that we do. And the reason we do a missions banquet is because we want to be able to have an opportunity to invite those in the community, to invite our friends, our families, those around the community. And, and we want to bring them to this place so they can fellowship with us and know how much we care for them. Also, we as a congregation, we have an opportunity to hear our missionaries when they come and we can see their heartbeat. 
when they go off into the mission field, we can understand what they're experiencing. So to meet these people that actually are in the field and doing this work. So we have this banquet once a year in order to come together as a church to invite people, but to learn more about our missionaries. So in the nutshell, we are all missionaries. We all, every time we do an outreach, which I heard that was amazing this past week, but we go out and we pass out cards and we talk to people. You are a missionary. You are a missionary from this church and you're out there and you're reaching people who are lost, who are hungry. And then when we have visitors come here for the first time and you are the one and you're sitting next to that person and you're reaching that person and you're talking to that person, you are a missionary because you are doing what Jesus is calling you to do. So we are all missionaries here. Whenever you out in there and you're passing out a card and you're inviting someone to church or you're inviting your buddy or you're inviting your neighbor, you are a missionary. So we need, need to stick together, we need to pray together, we need to support our missionaries. In our ladies' prayer room, there's a big poster, and it has all the, I don't know if it's all of them, but we have a lot of missionaries up there. So I took a picture of it so that I can begin to pray for those missionaries on that board. And that gives me a visual. I can see who they are, I can see where they are, and it gives me an opportunity to call out their names. So if you ever have a chance to get into the ladies' prayer room, take a picture of that, keep it in your phone, and when you are in your prayer closet or wherever you pray, pull up that person and begin to pray with them. Because missions is not just about going out into the world, it's also about taking care of those that are in your environment. In Jesus' name. Praise the Lord. What a wonderful uh, testimony of, of a, a report, rather, of what's happening and the things going on overseas. Can we just give God some praise for that wonderful report? Thank you so much, Sister Carr. Praise the Lord. What a fine Sunday morning we're at. Praise the Lord. I bring you greetings on behalf of our pastors, Rick and Alexa Olson. Thank you so much. Uh, for being here. Can we give all our guests, all of our guests an honor? Can we give them a round of applause? If you're sitting next to someone you haven't met yet, why don't you just take about 30 seconds and reach over and let them know you are so glad to see them this morning. Praise God. Yeah, it's appropriate. We ask for all of our guests to not be in a rush after service. We would like an opportunity to meet you and fellowship with you after service. We pray that you leave this place blessed uh, and encouraged this morning, but we are so glad that you are here. Praise the Lord to my Spanish brothers and sisters. Thank you so much uh, for being here. Praise the Lord, my friends. Aladabo, Ciel, Senor, mis amigos. We are so glad and so honored that you are here as well. We're also glad to have our evangelist, Brother Braden Anderson, uh, here with us this morning. Be ministering in our this morning as well as in our afternoon service at 6 p.m. Um, as already mentioned, what a great time we had uh, passing out flyers during our community outreach yesterday. Just with a show of hands, how many had a great time with that yesterday? We had a tremendous time getting out into the neighborhood. 
Praise the Lord. I have a, a little bit of a confession. We were driving the, the van, and they left me. You know, they, Brother Anderson told us, don't go out by yourself. Go out in, in twos. Well, apparently, I didn't get that memo. So I parked the van, and I said, well, I'm going to go up this street, and I'm just going to come back down this same street. Well, of course, I'm in a neighborhood I don't recognize. So I get down the street, and I make a left. And I look back, and I don't know, <laughs> where's the van? So I send a friend of mine a pen. I said, listen, if something were to happen to me, here's my location. But as you can see, it all worked out. And we had a great, great time. The Bible talks about how beautiful are the feet of those that bring good tidings of the gospel. Why don't you give yourselves a round of applause for all that effort? Thank you so much for coming out on behalf of our pastors. I do have a few announcements uh, to make. On this Tuesday, we'll be having our international Bible study, which is our Spanish, Portuguese, and English Bible study here in the brick building at 7 o'clock on Tuesday. Also in this building, we'll be having prayer, uh, focused prayer with our, our, our focus being on our ASK group, A-S-K, and that acronym stands for uh, Apostolic Single Connect. So if you uh, fall, find yourself in that group or you just want to come out and have prayer, I invite you to come out at 7 p.m. on Tuesday. Amen? Next Sunday, we'll be honoring all of our mothers in the house. Can we just give all of our mothers a round of applause? We're going to honor you guys next Sunday. I want to also remind you that we do honor our First Lady, Sister Olson, uh, during that service. So there will be a little uh, basket there in the vestibule, as always, as we prepare to honor her on Sunday. That's all the announcements that I have this morning. If I can go ahead and have the ushers to make their way, we take this morning's offering. Praise the Lord. I am encouraged with the, was it 33 young people receiving the gift of the Holy Ghost in Bolivia? Is that what the uh, report was? God is moving in our young people, and I do want to give a report uh, for our Save Our Children uh, offering um, that uh, we concluded here last Sunday. Uh, because of your giving, we were able to offer $5,551.85 to going towards our Save to Save Our Children. 7,649, 8 and 11-year-olds have received the gift of the Holy Ghost this year. Praise God. While in the last 90 days, 113 young people have received the Holy Ghost here in the state of Florida. So can we just honor the Lord for what he's doing? Revival is here, and I pray that we're all a part of it. Praise the Lord. Let's go before the Lord in prayer this morning for this morning's offering. Lord, in the name of Jesus, we thank you. We thank you for this time, Lord. We are gathered here, Lord, because of your goodness. We are gathered here because of your grace, Lord. And this is this opportunity to give back to you a token, Lord God, of all your abundance of blessings that you have bestowed upon ourselves and our families and all those that come behind us. We honor you this morning, Lord God, with our praise. Lord God, let our giving be pleasing and acceptable in your sight. In your precious and holy name we pray in Jesus' name. Can we just honor the Lord one more time? with the gift of praise. Thank you and God bless. This may be a song that the captives can't yet sing But if we sing long enough They might join in with us This may be a dance that's too heavy for those chains But if we dance long enough Well the prisons will open up
all day long. The wicked robe is ready, we can see them coming now, just like a prodigal. We're gonna meet them in the Bye. 
Glory to the name of the Lord. Thank you, God. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. You may be seated this morning. It's good to see everyone in the house of God today, all of our guests. So glad you came. I promise you it will be worth it if you respond to the Spirit of God. Because God wants to do something in your life. But you just have to decide that you're going to let God move in your life. And if you do that, I promise you something good will happen in your life. God will change things in a way that you can't even imagine what he can do. And so we are so glad that you're here with us today. It's so good to have Dr. Braden Anderson here with us this morning, an evangelist. Amen. For those of you that do not know him, uh, uh, when we first heard of, of, of Dr. Uh, uh, Anderson, we first said, man, what is this guy thinking? You know, he is uh, a, a medical doctor. God raised him up. He went through all the schooling, had clinics, and, and he said God called him to the ministry to preach the gospel. And so... Uh, but I believe God's going to use both of those things in his life, amen, and through his life. And so we're thankful, amen, that he is here with us today, amen, and he, we want you just to listen to the things that God has given him, and uh, let's God, let God move. Amen. Thank you, Pastor. Amen. It's so good to be here today with you, and if you're here for the very first time. Of course, we do really want to welcome you as our uh, special guest, and we hope you will come back and make this your church home. Uh, man, I love when people visit, but I tell you what, we want you to be part of the family. Somebody say amen. Amen. This is an excellent church. Uh, we get the privilege of visiting lots of churches, but uh, I'll tell you what, this is an excellent church, and you have a caring, wonderful pastor here that would benefit you in your life. Amen. If you stand together with me just quickly today, uh, I'll try and uh, be quick with you this morning. I don't want to hold you too long, but I do feel like there's something uh, that we can derive from Scripture that would benefit us to take a look at this morning. So I'll uh, cover that quickly here. Amen. Would you turn to your neighbor and just say, I'm glad you're in church today. Amen. Turn to somebody else. Say, I'm glad you're in church today. Amen. Amen. It is so good to have you all here today. We're going to turn to the book of Acts chapter 2 and verse 38 real quickly. And uh, as we do, I just want to give honor to our, our pastor, Pastor Sister Olson. Always so very wonderful. Uh, Pastor Cole family and, and, and the ministry team here, just so wonderful. First class church that are so kind. And uh, man, this week I threw them a curveball because I had to come here without my wife, but with all the children. And so they, they're probably like, oh no, here comes Evangelist and his quiver of unruly children. Um, but I texted my wife just a second ago and I said, let the record bear. All three children are in dress clothes, and I even brushed their hair. <laughs> hey, 
amen, amen. She had a school obligation or else she would be here. Um, but we, we enjoy getting to do what we do and be at this church. You all are so very wonderful. Amen. I want to speak to you on the subject today of what would you pay? What would you pay? Has anybody ever asked you that question, what would you pay? Uh, what would you pay? Amen. The book of Acts chapter 2 and verse 38, interesting text here and familiar to many of us. The Bible gives us an encouragement for how we can personally respond to the word. Now, I may preach a whole bunch of different messages, but the response doesn't change. God is asking you to do something with the faith that you have. And in the book of Acts chapter 2 and verse 38, Peter said, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And the Bible says you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. If there's anybody in this place today that has never repented, never been baptized, never received the Spirit, today is your day. God will wash away every sin you've ever committed. He will fill you from the top of your head to the bottom of your feet. He'll change your life. Really believe that today. Amen. If you put your Bibles down, let's lift our hands to the Lord one more time. Jesus, we love you and we lift you up. We adore you today. I pray that, God, you would anoint us for the next few minutes both to speak and to receive. Let your kingdom come and your will be done. Minister, Lord. Inspire somebody. Challenge someone. In Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. Amen. Let's give the Lord one more hand clap of praise. Thank you for being here. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you for being in the house of the Lord. I'm going to turn... To the book of Mark chapter 10, and I'm going to read you a story that runs from verse 17 to verse 22. Uh, this is the story of the rich young ruler. This is an interesting one. So it says, when he, he speaking of Jesus, was gone forth into the way, there came one running and kneeled to him, and he asked him, Good master, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? What do I need to do to be saved? There is no more important question that you could run to Jesus and ask than what must I do. Now, because he ran to Jesus and asked a very personal question, Jesus started giving him a very personal answer. First, he tested his faith. Do you even believe in the divinity of the one that you speak to? He says, why do you call me good? There's none good but God. He says, you know the commandments. You've got the scriptures there. Do not commit adultery. Do not kill, steal, bear false witness, defraud not, honor your father and mother. And he answered him and said, Master, all of these things I observe from my youth. He said, everything that I'm supposed to do, I have done. I've done it as well as I possibly could. And Jesus beheld him, loved him, and said, one thing you lack. Go thy way, sell whatever you have, give it to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven, and come, take up your cross, and follow me. For whatever reason, Jesus spoke to this one individual, 
in a way that he had never spoke to anyone else. He asked of him something he had not so plainly and clearly asked any other man. But for him, it was the one thing that stood between him and God. And so it needed to be what was dealt with. And he asked him, I want you to give it all and if you can give it all then you can have it all you've done the rest you've honored your parents you haven't stole you haven't murdered but there is still one thing I would ask you today what would you pay to obtain Christ what is he worth to you not just a dollar figure I want to be clear I'm not taking any offering I don't want one dollar from you today but what would you pay what would you hazard what would you give what would you sacrifice what would you change to obtain Christ I'd ask that question, has anybody ever really asked you, what would you pay? A couple times I've been on a car lot. It's a very unique experience being on a car lot, but I've been on a car lot, and really a couple times it was, it was just to kill time. I, the destination I needed to be was on the other side of the block, but I didn't need to be there for 20 more minutes. So I'll pull into a car lot and just for fun see what they've come out with that's different than mine. And I would just kind of peek in the window here and there and smell the leather and then get back into mine that has at any given time two to three Happy Meals worth of French fries and burgers around the floor of mine. You know, but for a moment there I would just look at what a car is supposed to look like and it's kind of fun. But as I do, some salesmen will come out of the building and think that I'm buying. I try and be a real forthcoming man. I'm not. Not, not buying today, just interested, and who knows, when mine gives up the ghost in 10 years, then maybe I would buy something, but not today, and you know, as we get talking, a clever salesman will ask a few questions, they'll say, well, what are the top things that you look for in a car, or what is it that your car can't do for you that you wish it could do for you, and at the end of the day, if they can kind of get you nibbling around the bait, they may ask you one key question well you seem to like that one and for that one what would you pay And I'll tell you what, man, a few salespeople, they asked me the right set of questions. I thought I wasn't going to buy something. I did buy something that day because they were able to figure out what it was worth for me. And when they heard what it was worth to me, there was still enough room to make a deal. I wonder if Christ really came into this room today and he said, this is all of the totality of what I could do for you. This is how I could touch your mind. This is how I could touch your family. This is how it would change you and your children and your grandchildren. This is what I could do for you on the job. This is what I could do in your emotions. And then he asked you, but for that, what would you pay? Would we look at the totality of what God offers man? And say, I'll give some, but not 
all. I would change some, but not all. I would sacrifice some, but not all. I would go to church here and there, but not all. I would do it when I felt like it, but not, not, no, no. I think, I really do believe today that if we could see everything God wants to do for us, everything He would change, every miracle He would perform, any reasonable person would say, I would pay everything I have. Christ is worth more. More than money, more than comfort, more than popularity, more than positions, more than possessions, more than power, more than it all. Why? In Him is life and in Him alone. Come on, He is salvation. He has the power to heal, the power to deliver, the power to help the power to save he has the power to raise you again come on no car will ever do that no house will ever do that no job can ever do that no paycheck can ever do that but Jesus can it made me think how have you ever I don't know if you've ever seen this show it used to be the antique road show Remember that? But then uh, uh, it's not the Antique Roadshow now. Now everybody just watches like Pawn Stars out of Las Vegas. It's a, a much, uh, it's an interesting version of kind of the same thing. But the principle is somebody walks in with an item. And they say, I want you to buy this item. And on the spot, the uh, pawn lord is what I'm going to call him. The pawn lord <laughs> has to assign a value to what you came in holding. And it made me think, how does somebody establish value? And that's really what's in question today. What is Christ worth? What is he worth to you? What are you willing to do for him? It's all a question of value. In value, we would ask, what can be priced like it? If you come in with a baseball card, somebody is going to open the internet and see what has that card sold for somewhere else well the problem with that and Jesus is there has never been anything like him there has never been anybody that offers what he does you'd have to go to a lot of places to try and get halfway there but no one thing can heal like he can and deliver like he can and give hope like like he can save like he can that can't be the benchmark well man there's another that you could do what price was paid to obtain it every now and then they'll have to do it that way somebody will come in with an original piece of artwork and that person will say I know that you're not going to find anything like this but 
I paid a million dollars for this piece of art. Therefore, it must be worth at least a million dollars. They'll try and offer the price that was paid as a proxy for its worth. Jesus paid a great price. I don't think that you fully comprehend this, but he gave every ounce of himself that you might be saved. We struck him and beat him, mocked him and scourged him, crucified him publicly and made a shame of him. He did it all the same because he was purchasing a great salvation offer for you. If you don't think it's worth much, look at the cross. He thought it was worth everything. Jesus gave it all that you might be saved I guess the last question you could ask is what would somebody else give for it you know uh, I've heard it said that something is worth exactly what somebody will pay for it nothing more and nothing less Well, I hate to break the news to you this way, but there are some that would, that have, and that will die just to live under the banner of becoming a Christian. You could ask Stephen about it from the Word of God. Stephen, having done nothing wrong, was murdered, stoned on the street for his faith, and all the while went out praying for those that were throwing the stones that they might be saved. Friend, if you knew how great this was, you would do whatever you had to do to obtain it it would be worth every sacrifice every bit of energy every bit of dropping your pride and your comfort every sacrifice it would be worth it all Matthew 13 and 44 I guess actually I'll read to verse 46 44 to 46 of Matthew 13 Jesus said Again, the kingdom of heaven is like unto a treasure hid in a field, which when a man has found it, he hides it, and for the joy thereof goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. If you were out to be on a field that was for sale, and as you're there, you trip over a gigantic gemstone worth more than anything that you've ever come in contact with before you would run home you'd sell your house you'd sell your car you'd sell your clothes to get the down payment together and you would buy that field because when you bought the field what is buried in it becomes yours he's saying when you walk into the church if you ever stumble across what God is worth you would run back home change everything you need to change stop everything that you need to stop and you would give it all that you might obtain Christ some would run to be baptized who've never been baptized others would run and lift their hands and receive the Holy Ghost but you would do whatever it took 
45 and 6, he says, it's like a merchant man seeking pearls. And when you find that pearl of great price, you go sell all that you have. And you would buy it. This is worth everything. Everything. If I achieve anything today, it is to push you into doing something you have never done for God before. Not because of me. Not because of the music. Not because of the pastor. But because he is worth it. He's worth you laying down the sin finally today. He's worth every change. Every commitment. Every lifestyle. He's worth baptism. He's worth the Holy Ghost. He's worth living right and thinking right and talking right and acting right. He's worth it all. He has already bought you a gift of great value. And what a shame it would be if we didn't assign value to what he valued so much. This is what it says, Isaiah 53 and 4. Surely He has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. He literally carried your grief, your sorrow, yet we didn't esteem him. In verse 5, he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes we are healed. I'm telling you that God has already bought you, paid for it in full with himself. He has bought you a way out of transgression, a way out of iniquity, a way out of chastisement for your peace. Come on. He's bought you healing and help and deliverance. So you tell me today, what is that worth? So I had at some point come across this story of a unimpressive, that's how, I I hate to be mean, I'm not an art critic, I'm going to call it unimpressive, because I saw it, and it doesn't impress me. Relatively unimpressive painting that was floating around from the 1500s, and when I tell you the title, some of you may know it, but certainly even 50 years ago you wouldn't have, but it's called the Salvador Mundi which is Latin for Savior of the World. And in this picture, it depicts Christ, and he's holding a transparent kind of crystal sphere in his left hand, and it's signaling his role as the Savior and the Master of the World. But again, it's dark, it's dingy, it's unimpressive, and somehow over time it is lost in its attribution as to who had originally even painted that piece of work. It was generally thought to be near worthless, and it just began trading hands. One hand to another, one family to another. I read off the purchase sale and history of that artwork, and it actually spent hundreds of years going to literal garage sale level transactions. From what we would value in U.S. dollars in uh, we see in, as high as it was reaching at one point, 39 U.S. dollars, 1649. It made it to 58 U.S. dollars in 1958, and so on and so on. Estate sale, garage sale, inheritance, this antique trinket would make it from family member to family member. 
Well, the story goes that one day somehow it ended up in a group auction. And when it made it into that auction, a legitimate art expert happened to be there. And he glanced at it and immediately recognized this is not like everything else that's here. It then was purchased and brought to the New York University. And a committee of experts recognized it to be a lost work of Leonardo da Vinci himself. Then it goes to auction in 2017 in New York. This one piece of work that had been overlooked and not wanted by so many before had more visitors before its sale than any artwork piece in history. That worthless picture traded hands in the 30 to $50 range and in 2017 became the most expensive piece of art ever sold at $450.3 million almost half a billion dollars what am I saying how many people handle the church and handle Christ but they assign no value to him they pass him gently from one to another throw him to and fro but they do nothing with their faith they do nothing to learn to worship they do nothing to get baptized nothing to receive the spirit but then somebody handles that same Jesus and says he is worth it all perplex me all of my Christian life how in the very same service some in the very same songs in the very same message all the same experience that we collectively have in this room it seems as though there will always be some that leave just as they came with their arms crossed resolved not to be changed not to, to do this to do that to be part of what's happening just to be present and to be a witness to what God did and I'm thankful that they're there and if I'm describing you today that's okay I would rather you be here with your arms crossed than out there with your arms crossed but uh, this is what I mean it's so confusing that in the same service one comes in like that and yet another comes to the front with tears welling up their eyes hands stretched out to heaven they're lifting their voice they're dancing and singing and shouting and all of a sudden God will heal their body and they're never the same just like that picture they all looked at the same thing they all handled the same thing but only one said no this is not like the rest. Some will come in and they're going to say that. In this place today, they're going to say, this experience, it is not like the rest. This isn't just like the church down the road. This Jesus he's preaching isn't just like Buddha. He's not just like Muhammad. He's not just another teacher. This isn't just a self-help book. But somewhere in this room, there is power and there is life. There is healing and there is hope somewhere in this Jesus. There is mercy for me. There's grace in the house. And he is worth it all. In Mark 16 and 15, Jesus said, Go into all the world 
preach the gospel. And then he begins to tell us what happens for some. Somebody say some. Preach the gospel to every creature. He that believes and is baptized shall be saved. He that believeth not will be damned. These signs shall follow them that believe. In my name they'll cast out devils. They'll speak with tongues. They'll have protection as what it goes on to allude to with the serpents and the drinking things. And they'll lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. What's the Bible trying to say? It's trying to say when you you assign value to God and you've assigned so much value that it moves you. Friend, when you're moved, then heaven is moved. When you're willing to get baptized, heaven is willing to save. When you're willing to come up for prayer, then heaven is willing to heal. When you're willing to admit what you can't do, God is willing to deliver and set free. God, I'm telling you, if you'll assign value to God today there's nothing he cannot do for you Acts 8 and 12 I really want to make sure I'm clear on this because I was worried from the title there would be a misunderstanding so we have to do Acts 8 and 12 so that you guys know I don't want money. If you give me money, I will throw it back at you. That's not what we're talking about today. Acts 8, 12. But when they believed Philip, preaching the things concerning the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. Then Simon himself believed also and was baptized and continued with Philip. And he wondered and beheld the miracles and signs which were done. Now, when the apostles which were at Jerusalem heard Samaria receive the word of God, they sent them Peter and John. Because they needed to pray for them. Nobody got the Holy Ghost yet. Only they had been baptized. So they laid their hands on them and they received the Holy Ghost. Now Simon saw that through the laying on of the apostles' hands, the Holy Ghost was given and he offered them money. And he said, give me also this power that on whomsoever I lay hands, he may receive the Holy Ghost. But Peter said unto him, your money can perish with you because you thought the gift of God could be purchased with money. Neither uh, You have neither part in this lot or this matter for your heart's not right in the sight of God. Here's the question. What would you pay? But I'm not talking about money. Okay? Money... Uh, and there, there should be some probably a little discussion here anyways. Money is important that we give. This is just how the, it is the fuel that the church runs on. If nobody gives, everything stops. The lights go off. We can't pay the bills, yada, yada, yada. However, it's also very elementary of a Christian to think that giving money is the extent of what God wants from me. To think, oh, if I drop $10 in the offering here and there, God can't have anything else. He can't change anything else. He can't can't ask for anything else. This is just where I'm at. I would rather you keep your $10 and I would rather you lift your hands and lift your heart and let God begin to change something on the inside. I think that we need to come to church ready to pay and I don't mean with money. Ready to pay in energy. Ready to pay in faith. Ready to pay in worship. I think we need to come to the house of God saying Lord whatever you want whatever I need to change whatever I need to do God I'm all in I'm not here for a show this is worth something to me you're worth enough to me ask for it God and it's yours whatever you'd have me do Lord 
this year, I, I don't know if it was because of COVID, people got promotions or whatever, but this year, I swear, I ran into a record number of people that, without saying it, are using their money as a proxy of their Christian service, thinking that they can um, just satisfy the desire of God to change us by throwing some token bills at it. And they've told it to me. They said, man, where I fit in the kingdom is I'm a giver. Man, that is not how the kingdom works. We all givers, and we all worshipers, and we're all in attendance, and we're all fasters, and we're all prayers, and we're all studiers. You don't get to do a little more over here and neglect everything else over there. When I ask you what would you pay, I'm saying what would you be willing to do? And I hope the answer is Everything, everything. To the rich young ruler, it became a money issue only because that was his hang-up. But today, that might not be yours. What is yours? What is the one thing, the one area to which you would say no to God? You would say you can touch anything except that. I'm willing to part with everything except that. I'm willing to do it all except change that, stop that, break that. Friend, I'm telling you, if Jesus walked in, he would say the same thing to you then. One thing thou lackest, one thing you lack. And that one area that you thought you could keep relegated off to say, God, you can come this far but no further, that would be the one thing Jesus Jesus says, okay, it's time to see what you really value. Is it me or is it that? Is it comfort or is it the cross? Come on, somebody. But I would want to be found saying you can have it all. Change it all. So if I could make one clarification today, there is no such thing as a 99% Christian. We are 100% or we are nothing. Today in this place, I want to challenge somebody. If you've not made that next step, do it today because Jesus is worth it. And watch this. If that man, that young man, if he'd have done it, I could tell you exactly what would have happened. If that rich young ruler, in his case, it was the money thing. So if he would have pulled his wallet out and said, okay, you can start with that. I'll go home and take care of the rest. We probably would be preaching today from one of the gospels that he wrote. And all of eternity wouldn't mourn for him but we would have rejoiced in the impact that he made around the world if your thing is time give God some time and watch what he could do with it you will affect people and generations and the city and the church if God needs a little more worship come on give your worship and see what God could do with it if you've never been baptized friend go down to Day in the name of Jesus and see how God changes your life. Your attachment to those little hesitations need to be replaced with an attachment to the king. It is as though, and I know this isn't how it looked, but it is as though that man stood there with hands full of money and Jesus said, You need to release. And take my hands. For the man to do that, he would open his fingers and he would let the money fall. 
See, the one thing that's the issue, it's not important what's falling through his hands. Again, it could be money. It could be time, it could be energy, it could be comfort, it could be pride, it could be vanity, it could be appearance, it could be a million things. It doesn't matter what's falling through your fingers. What matters is what you're taking into your hands, that you're grasping the hands of Jesus and you're saying, there is literally nothing I want more than you. There is nothing off limits now. God Everything I am and I have is yours. Every dollar, every ambition, every hope, every dream, how I talk, how I think, how I look, how I, it is all yours. And you embrace him. Amen. Where the Bible talks about repentance, I think that's what repentance is. If there ever was a beautiful picture... It is the letting go of us, our stuff, our sin, our addictions for the embrace of God. Amen. Before we go any further, I wonder if you'd stand together with me today. And let's just ask the Lord to forgive us and help us release all the other distractions and priorities, all the other things that we embrace in life, and I'm as guilty of it as anybody else in this room, but there's got to become a point where we just let it go and let it fall through our fingers. Come on, right now across this place, repentance is easy. You just say out loud, God, I'm sorry. Something to that effect. It didn't have to be those exact words, but you ask Him to forgive you, and you let go of the prior. Could we do that right now, Chief? Jesus, I'm so thankful for the opportunity to serve you. God, I've handled you carelessly at times. You haven't been the priority at times. I've had my own hesitations and reservations, but right now, I want to let it all go. I want to be more for you tomorrow than I am today. God, you're worth it all. You're worth it all to me. Lord, I pray that you would forgive. I pray that, God, you would change. I pray that, Lord, you would break chains in my life and in my mind. God, I'm willing to pay everything for you. Forgive me. Change me, Lord. Could you pray that way? Forgive me, God. Change me, Lord. From this moment on, I embrace you. I embrace you. I want somebody to let some of the walls fall off their heart right now. Come on, would you lift your hands, lift your voice, keep your, keep your eyes closed and continue praying for just a, another couple minutes. But all those areas that you've had roped off where you said, God, this far, but no further. Change it all, but not that. And every last square foot of your soul, if you would submit it to him. And tell him, no longer will you let anything separate you from him. You'll do whatever you have to do. You'll change whatever you have to change. You're willing to pay. You're willing to serve. You're willing to commit. Come on, somebody. Let's do that. God, in everything I am, every bit of my mind and my heart, my spirit and my dreams... 
in every bit of my family through my finances. I give you all. I give you all. Come on, somebody. Come on, somebody. Mean it. I give you all. Whatever you'd have me do, Lord. My answers, yes. My answers, yes. Amen. Amen. I feel the Holy Ghost in this place today. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise. What an incredible touch of the Spirit. Amen. So that young man, the Bible says, and Jesus never even did anything mean to him. He never got after him. He never harped on him. He just said, this is the next step. You can take it if you want. He decided not to. And without any dialogue or any exchange, he turned and went away sorrowful. It's as though he knew the moment he made the choice, I missed the opportunity and regret immediately swept in. The goal of God is that not one would leave this place sorrowful, sorrowful, not one, not one. God would never be mean to you. He, he's willing to work with you. If it takes you 10 years to make the right choice, that's okay. But you're going to know that I missed an opportunity. You're going to know that there might have been a window of blessing that I can never get back. You're going to know that I could have become more in God, but I turned and walked away. Now, I'm thankful that God gives more chances, and that's what I think He's trying to do right now. Don't be somebody that leaves sorrowful. If God wants you to do something today, don't say next week. Don't say next month. You need to do it now. Commit to it now. Change it now. Lay it down now. And watch what he'll do. Watch what he'll do. So I, I'll... Um, let me do this. Let me do this. I'll tell you one quick story. I'm not going to read it. I'll summarize this. In John 5. In John 5, man, this is a crazy story. There's this magic pool. Everybody say magic pool. It's in your Bible. It's weird magic pool. And literally, according to John 5, when at some point of the year, an angel would come down and the water would begin to move. And when the first sick person made it into the water, they would be healed. We have no idea how this ended up in Scripture, but that's literally what the Bible says happened. Well, one day when Jesus is on earth, he goes by the pool. And when he gets to the pool, he finds a lame man there who's been lame for 38 years. And Jesus says, basically, wilt thou be made whole? He says, do you even want to be made whole? For 38 years you've been by God, but you've not taken the step to be in God. For 38 years you've been by healing but not in healing. For 38 years you've seen other people come and go. More serious than you. More urgent than you. More passionate than you. Do you even want it anymore? Come on somebody. I'm talking about what would you pay? What would you do? His healing was probably three feet away. But he never would be the first one in the water. It won't be me. It won't be me. 
I'm sorry, my friend. I love this thing too much. Whether they sing the songs I like or they don't, I'm going to worship. I'm sorry, my friend, whether pastor's here or he's home at sick, I'm going to be here. And I'm going to be doing the same thing. Whether the building is beautiful like it is today or a hurricane wipes it out and we're building the next one, I'll be there. Why? I am willing to pay the price to obtain the cross. good news was that man he began to excuses right like we do well nobody helps me and pushes me in and this and whatever take up your bed and walk today no matter how many times you've missed it before you've messed up before you've fallen into the same sin the same problem Jesus would say it to you just take up that bed and walk if you value God you can have God if you're hungry you can be filled if you're willing you can be baptized if you'll worship you'll get the Holy Ghost if you're sick you leave healed if you're bound you leave free come on somebody take up that bed and walk if you value God just do something about it and God will do something for you I want you to come and gather around the front at the end of our services. We love to close in prayer. Amen. Turn to somebody next to you. Say, I'm going to go up and pray. Would you come with me and bring somebody with you? If you're here for the first time, come on up. Amen. If you've been here for years, come on up. We just like closing out with prayer. Amen. We're going to ask that God would help us tear down every wall, change everything in our life that needs to be changed, that His will would be done. In Jesus' mighty name. Hallelujah.